Hello, and welcome to the Rainy Day Smut Brigade, the podcast where we read a spicy book and discuss all the juicy parts. I'm Hannah. I'm Allie. And I'm Ashley. We want to remind you that this podcast is for mature audiences only. As a reminder, you can follow us on Instagram or support us by becoming a member of our Patreon. This will provide you with access to exclusive content. You can email us with any questions or book recommendations at the Rainy Day Smut Brigade at gmail.com. Don't forget to give us a high rating on your podcast platform and share with your friends. And happy Armageddon Day to our listeners. That's right, but this time Bruce Willis isn't digging holes to save us. Fun fact, did y'all know I love bald men? <laughs> but pre- preferably what? short bald men? What? It's a new thing of mine. Like I said, facts. I am in no way <laughs> coerced into saying this. Wow. Who wrote that? It really I is. I wonder the who end. wrote that. It, no one wrote it. You just said it. it yes. Really is the end of days. Allie admitting she loves short guys. Mm-hmm. Short bald guys. Oh my god. That's like the opposite of hubby. Oh my word. I love glittery rainbows and warm hugs from everyone I meet. <laughs> Once again, these are facts. Oh my god. Ugh. Allie, you've just done a whole one eighty. <laughs> Oh, my God. It's so scary how much you've changed, Allie. It's really the end of the world as we know it. With Allie changing so much, becoming soft, I'm not sure she'd be able to survive a real apocalypse. What do you think, Hannah? Mm. Absolutely not. Should we take her with us or leave her behind? She might slow us down now. Uh, Please don't leave me behind. I'm utterly defenseless now. (laughs) My tough exterior is broken. Don't worry, Allie. I have an idea. Let's take a quiz together and see if we would survive a zombie apocalypse. Listeners, join us. I'll put the link to the quiz in our show notes for you to do later. But for now, the three of us are going to do this one together. Are you ladies ready? I'm so scared. I don't know what to do without you, Ashley. Oh, my God. We have to save Allie because... All right, so I just pulled this up from Google. (laughs) I was so confused. I was confused too. Ashley told me I wasn't allowed to pre-read it. And I had to say everything that she had written. I was like, wait a second. I'm a really good actress on this I was like, like wait a second. Ashley wrote that. Why is Allie saying that part? (laughs) It was really believable. You did a great job. I believed it. You -hmm. you just seem so weak now. Mm -hmm. I feel so strong. But being for real, who do we think out of the three of us would do the best? No, we're going to find out. We're going to take a test. We're not going to do this. I thought you said we were taking it together. We are. That's what we're doing. Individually together? No. All three of us are going to make the decision together. Uh We're going to have to compromise on some of these things. As a team. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. This is from zombiesoftheworld.com. What is your policy on fighting zombies? Violent 
violence is not the answer. I'll fight when it's necessary, but only in self-defense. Shoot them in the head. If I see a zombie and have a chance to kill it, I'll go for it. Search and destroy. Just actively hunting zombies. If I see one, I'm going to shoot them in the head. Yeah, that's mine. Okay. I agree with that. I, so far, Look at we're us. doing great. <laughs> I'm not going to search them out and put myself I, into the No, no, but if they're there, yes. I'm going to kill yeah. it. If it's yeah. near me, I'm going to shoot. Exactly. See, we're already agreeing. Look at us. You're so, so brave, brave, Allie. Thank you for acknowledging that. <laughs> How do you regard other human survivors in a zombie attack? One, this survivor is an island. I trust no one. Two, stranger danger is real. I have a few loved ones and or friends that I would trust in a crisis. Three, I use common sense when it comes to other people. If they seem trustworthy, I'll recruit them to my team. Four, as a social butterfly, I know lots of people that I can contact in case of a zombie attack. Five, I am a river to my people. I am skilled at organizing and leading large groups of survivors. I'm between a two and a three. No, I'm just a few people. That's the two one. Family. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I agree with that too. Yeah. <gasps> We're. I'm just so proud of us. Look at us. We, look at. These have been such hard questions so far. How prepared are you for a zombie attack? One, YOLO, I live for the moment. Worrying about tomorrow is a sucker's game. Two, there's some ramen noodles in the cupboard and the baseball bat by the door. That should be enough, right? Three, I've actually put a little effort into disaster preparation. I have some food and water plus a few other useful tools and weapons. Four, I know what a bug out bag is and I have one ready to go. Five, between my arsenal of weapons, pallets of military rations and backup, diesel generators i can last years without civilization me personally i do have a plan i try and keep enough stuff in the house that i could survive my yeah. family could survive for at least a couple weeks okay my food allergies i have to okay i would say so you've put a little bit of effort in yeah, yeah. okay we've put a little bit of effort in what is your ideal shelter during a crisis one, staying in one place is a sucker's game. You have to stay mobile to keep ahead of the horde. Two, I have access to a bus, RV, or other large vehicle, some protection, but with some mobility. Three, an apartment. Duplex or a small building is easier to defend and escape from if necessary. Four, my two-story or larger home is a castle, that or a medium-sized commercial building. Five, time to get to the local mall or a big box store and barricade the doors. The bigger the shelter, the better. I don't believe in bigger the shelter. The I better. don't believe in that either. And I also want to be on the move the whole time because I don't think you can establish enough protection. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't know. I'm leaning more to staying in my house. In your house? Okay. I wouldn't necessarily stay in my house, but I would find a, a house, house that I could protect. I say stay off the main highways. Yeah. Okay. So a home. I'll click that. Select your primary skills. One, firearms. Training in the use and maintenance of firearms. Medical. Professional education in medicine, although not necessarily a full medical doctor. Hannah raised her hand for that. Yep, mm -hmm. I can do that. Technical. Computer experts, engineers. You're pretty technical. Not really. I can't, like, <laughs> take this apart and put it back together. Uh, okay. Diplomacy. The ability to negotiate, compromise, and broker deals with other people. Lawyers, politicians, and managers are most likely to have this skill. Mm. I feel like I'm semi-decent. I feel like yeah, I'm semi-decent at that. that. Let's listen to all the options yeah, and then listen. we can come back. Survival. A person with this skill is able to survive without the benefits of civilization. Hunters and soldiers are often knowledgeable in living off the land and in wilderness environments. I wouldn't say that's mine. Number no. one skill now. Hand to hand combat. <laughs>
I can throw a punch, but <laughs> you got to be schooled in the art of kicking ass without a gun. Yeah. Mm, no. Oh my God. Leadership, a combination of charisma, experience, and schooling in the art of getting other people to do what you tell them. It's, uh, it's feeling, it's, it's giving, it's giving, it's giving, <laughs> it's giving. We'll put leadership and medical. So we're like top tier people. There we go. Mm, we're people who would die. All right. <laughs> okay. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. What's your plan for survival in the event of a zombie outbreak? Wait for rescue. No. Kill all zombies. Take over. You'd be a good king or mayor or warlord. Uh, Party. Just go ahead and party your life away. Escape. Clearly, you need to get as far away from the zombies and dangerous survivors as you can. Yeah, I'm escaping. Escaping. Yeah. Okay. Peacing out. Peacing out. We're peacing out. You ready? We're going to see our results. Jesus Christ. Our zombie survival risk analysis is we're leaders. I knew it. Yeah. This this is seeming like a lot of effort, though. Yeah, Yeah, I don't really want to. Yeah, I don't want to technically be a part of it. (laughs) Our plan's chance of success is like sixty six percent. Yeah, I would agree with that. I like that myself usually. Okay, okay, that's that's hey, it's above fifty. That's above fifty. It's above a half and half chance. It's not great if me and Hannah were having to drag Allie with us and yeah, you'd have Mm -hmm. to. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't be able to do anything. Afraid of everything. Yep. All right. So with that, now we know how we'll survive a zombie apocalypse we're just gonna take a break but when we come back we'll discuss pestilence by laura thalassa get ready the first of the horsemen are coming This week, we are taking a look at Pestilence by Laura Thalassa. But before we get into the book, here are a few things you need to know about the author. According to her website, Laura Thalassa was raised by fairies, kidnapped by werewolves, and given over to vampires as repayment for a hundred-year debt. She's been brought back to life twice and, with a single kiss, she woke her true love from eternal sleep. She now lives happily ever after with her undead prince in a castle in the woods. Or something like that anyway. When not writing, Laura can be found scarfing down guacamole, hoarding chocolate for the apocalypse, or curled up on the couch with a good book. Good for her. Pestilence begins with the arrival of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Thought to only be legend, they are now entering and they lay waste to the people of the earth. Five years later, 21-year-old Sarah Burns, our main female character, is a firefighter and she is among the last of her crew to stay behind in her town to help survivors evacuate. Pestilence has returned after five years of sleeping, the messianic fever killing all in his path. He swept the eastern coast of America and is headed to Canada. Leaving it to chance, the crew draws matchsticks and Sarah draws the burnt one. She is now tasked with waiting for pestilence on the main road, a few meager rations, and a shotgun, her last hope. Then he comes, riding up the main highway, arrayed in golden armor and riding a great white horse. Beautiful, angelic conqueror. But Sarah, who has stayed behind, knowing she would probably die of the messianic fever, is not fooled by the beauty of the rider. She hesitates to kill, but doesn't anyway, shooting the horseman and his horse. To her horror, when she goes over, pestilence is still alive. But she's misplaced her weapon. All she has left are matches and lighter fluid. She burns him. Mm. And as he's burning, pestilence lets out a plea. 
please. But it's too late. And Sarah is horrified at what she has done. But she's conquered the conqueror. The next morning, she is awakened by a monster, the charred figure of pestilence. Somehow, despite being mostly burned away, he is moving. He is alive. And he takes her captive, tying her to his horse and leading her because he cannot be killed. Her punishment for trying to kill him will be that she must watch others suffer and die from the plague. The worst suffering is that he watches her pee because he observes no human niceties. For days, he drags her behind, stopping for nights at abandoned and sometimes occupied homes where she must watch the inhabitants die a most painful death. As a first responder, Sarah helps ease the deaths. Eventually, Sarah gets to ride on the horse, which she names Trixie's Gills, pestilence, who can burn to death, but apparently doesn't feel the blistering cold of Canada, is shocked to find Sarah on the verge of hypothermia. He saves her, you guessed it, by using his body heat. They cuddle, but they continue on. As they continue the trek back towards the west, pestilence kills millions and millions of people, Sarah having to watch them suffer. But in good news, she does get the horseman to eat apple pie and drink alcohol, showing him what humanity is all about. But the next day, Sarah falls from the horse as it's running over water and nearly drowns. Then, in a fit of despair after he's rescued her, Pestilence kisses her, not being able to bear the thought of her dying. Sarah is conflicted by her feelings for Pestilence because, you know, he's killing the northwestern hemisphere with the plague and she begs him to stop spreading it. He says he can't. It's the purpose he was created for. Eventually, they end up in Seattle in the home of two old people named Rob and and Ruth. Very sweet, sweet old people. To their surprise, Rob and Ruth are very kind to the horseman pestilence, and Ruth even tells Sarah she believes she is serving a purpose, softening up the horseman by, well, hardening his dick. Rob and Ruth die, and now the fucking starts. Pestilence gets him some pussy. Then Sarah gets shot and nearly killed by a group of people. Pestilence is so angry, his plague reaches all the way from Washington State to Mexico. But Sarah doesn't find this out until after Pestilence has eaten some pussy and made love to her some more. How does she find out? From the TV. How is the TV still working? I don't know. Don't ask me questions. Then she tries to leave Pestilence, but he locks her in a room. She refuses to speak to him, and eventually he comes in the room, throwing his crown before her, surrendering. She leaves him, knowing even though she loves him, she can never be with someone who refuses to show mercy to humanity. But then this hooker finds out Pestilence has reversed the plague while he had her locked in her room. Too late now. She's gone. Sarah finds her way back to her family, and months later, Pestilence knocks on her door. He has laid down his calling, having learned mercy. She taught him what it meant to be human and to love, to eat pie and drink whiskey. He is no longer in his armor, but he has kept a piece of his crown, which he fastened into a ring for her. Sarah accepts his proposal of marriage, happy to have the man, horseman, she loves, and he gives himself a new name, no longer Pestilence the Conqueror, but simply Victor. The Sarah was the true Victor all along. <laughs> all right. So what was your favorite part of the story? I loved so much of it. I'm not going to lie. I devoured the story. I, I do. I, yeah. would, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I give you like 10 different things. I don't know. I love the whole him trying out humanity stuff. 
food and mm-hmm. liquor. Mm-hmm. But I liked the way that he like communicated very openly and honestly, because he doesn't know like the human norm. He just said and, everything he thought. Yeah, I like that. He did. Yeah, he did. I loved how much of an ass he was at the beginning too. Yeah, he was a total ass. But sometimes when you have a book where the main male character is a, is an enemy to lovers and the, they're a total ass at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's not a good transition into like enemy to lovers. And this was an amazing transition. Yeah. It was flawless. Yeah. He, he kind of has to be the enemy. I know. He's, the four horse really, yeah. He's killing everyone. But I like that he doesn't really enjoy killing people. No, he doesn't yeah. enjoy it. You can tell that he does. He does, he's very conflicted. Yeah, especially after getting to know her. At first, and he's, like, Ruth they, and Rob. he's convincing oh. them. He's convincing himself they deserve it. Like, humanity deserves it. And I here. mean, like, we do deserve it. Humanity mm-hmm. as a whole, I would say, a lot of times. We're yeah. pretty shitty. Like, it's yeah. pretty yeah. gross. I, I laughed out loud when he was having a conversation about God and she was asking all those questions about like who is God and she said is God a boy or a girl basically and he says as far as gender goes he continues only the feeble human mind could imagine a superior being then have the audacity to shape that being in their own image and give it a gender fuck yes <laughs> I was like <laughs> Thank you, Laura. On point. That what was perfect. That was perfect. That's what I've been saying, Laura. Thank y'all. Us three deconstructed Christians. <laughs> <laughs> and then us having that light bulb moment years ago. Years later. Oh, yeah, I did I did love all of the like religious because they weren't thrown in your face, like the religious aspects, but it was like teased here and there, and I was like, fuck yes. Yeah. I love it. I like it when Rob was talking to him. He's like, what's right? Is Christianity right? And he's like, none of them are right. Like, Mm -hmm. they're all right. And he was like, they're all wrong and they're all right. There's not like one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this book spoke to me. It was, it was just cool. But also just like the whole Rob and Ruth. Yeah, that was really sweet. I love them. And I liked the storyline because like you were saying, like there are a lot of religious undertones in the whole book, but it never felt like, oh, this one way is totally wrong and it should be this way. It was Mm -hmm. very much like a thought experiment on what you believe. And I enjoyed that Rob and Ruth were Christians and they were portrayed as like people who want to love and serve well. And I, I liked how the Christian weren't made to look like the stupidest people in the world yeah that's true. i do believe that some christians are the stupidest people in the world but i also believe <laughs> yes, that there yes. are people who are christians who love well and i mm-hmm. thought that it was a cool she showed them really well if we want to believe that there are good christians out there they would look like this people who are still welcoming and open mm-hmm. and are willing to have a conversation with somebody because i think we can respect what different people believe and still have good conversations exactly i agree with I will say when I first opened this book and I was just not expecting the deep level of thought Mm -hmm. from what I thought. I think my favorite part of the story was probably his almost naivete. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. A lot of things. I don't want to spoil. The other horsemen aren't like that. He's hmm. the only one. That's interesting. That's got that naivete I'm, about him. So Pestilence is a virgin. He's never touched a woman. He seems hey, someone hey. who's very controlled and regimented yeah. and he's on a mission and that is all he is thinking about. I want to see their little mini god babies. 
angel babies. <laughs> I do have a complaint. What's the complaint? Oh, tell us. I don't like the fact that it's not solved. Like, she's still getting older and he's not. I don't like that. Yeah, that, that gets... I am assuming that it does. Victor does age. Mm. Like, when death... Like, he's aged. So, like, I wonder if he chose this life and he chose, like, full you, humanity. You figure that out later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't want to spoil it. But uh, it's not uh, that... that I, don't think I think spoiler. as a reader, you knew that that was... He's mortal, I would say. I just love him. I do, too. I do. What did you think about him being a virgin and all the different things he said while they were having sex? I liked it. I love love a he's a virgin and you get to experience it with him story. Yeah. I just thought it was the things he said were just... Like when when he found out she wasn't a virgin and he was like, what? What? You let me... Inside you? And my essence? Inside you? My essence? He said I've had my my essence essence inside you? It was so good. I, I I loved it. They've had sex for the first time. He says, this is suffering, exquisite suffering. And then he's like breathing. He's like, cannot I know the sensation. Surely it will haunt me for all my days. And he's like, Sarah, I am I am in you, a part of you. Never want to leave. I was going to say, I felt like usually what he was saying was really sweet or like sexy. It was. And yeah. It was, but to me, it's also cute. It was like cute and he's ne- sexy. Yeah. yeah. At the same well, point. Well, he, there's one part in the beginning that I highlighted that he tells her, you're oddly pleasing. And she's like, a woman should not be oddly pleasing. She should be ball busting, skull crushing, badass motherfucker who is impossible to forget. But yet he, he doesn't have those words used. Yeah. He's just like, yeah. I'm confused. You're oddly pleasing to me. Yeah. At the beginning, looking at her naked did nothing. Did nothing to him. For him. But then it, eventually it started that he was like, oh, okay. I like when they're in the bathtub together after Rock. <laughs> And Ruth, and he's like boobies. <laughs> he's like he he's doesn't like, know what he's to like, do. I didn't think they'd be this soft. And then he immediately puts one in his mouth. I'm like, dang, he really goes for it. That, that just came natural to him. Mm. He knew exactly what to do with that, and he liked it. I remember learning for the first time that people do that. I remember <laughs> where I was. That you As mean a, like, like a 23 year old Ashley? No, like, that it wasn't I just was for child. babies. I was a teenager, and it was Trish who told me, she said, well, you know, I was complaining about my small boobs and talked to Trish. So Trish was like, I had an ex-husband tell me, a mouthful is enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and I remember thinking, what the fuck? Mama, tell me that. <laughs> a That's mouthful hilarious. is enough. Oh, mouthful is enough. When you're Adam Driver, that mouthful might be a lot. That's true. Mm. That's a big mouth. In the love hypothesis, there's like a part where he literally puts her whole boob in his mouth. Yeah, he does. (laughs) That's one funny part of the love hypothesis that everybody's like. I've never forgotten it. I'm like, what? The whole thing goes in his mouth in the love hypothesis. And that's like a, he's supposed to be like Adam Driver. Yeah. I don't like that. And she's tiny. I, as a member of the itty bitty titty committee, yeah. But like, it's why are we me. saying that? I just I don't find that sexy <laughs> that's at all. Sexy. <laughs> that's one of those things you don't want to see written in a book. I love that he hardly knows anything about what it's like to be human. So, like when he was saying those things, they were something I've never read in a book before. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was unique, and it I was so cute. I liked it. It yeah, was so cute. I liked. It. I thought it was cute. And I, I love the. I just think it shows that the characterization is amazing in this this book like she yeah. built up her characters 
Ashley and I were talking so about well. while you were downstairs is this is the first book that we've done where there's literally basically only two characters in this book. That's true. And you really don't hear from anyone hardly else. anyone else in this book besides a few lines. So you So I to. think it's really impressive how Laura Thalassa was able to, like, I really enjoyed this book and I wanted to keep reading and I didn't really get bored. And all I was reading about was two, two people. people. Like, that's pretty impressive writing wise. And you got, like, their whole, even though, like, he doesn't have a backstory, you get their whole personality and, you know, why they're doing what they're doing. It's amazing writing. And that's hard to do. I think it's from what? It's written in a first person present. And right. that's hard to do in first person present. That's yeah. one of my biggest frustrations for the my books. It's so much easier to write in, like, third person or past tense. Yeah. And I just, I feel like in a lot of times when we have these enemies to lovers or kidnapped hurt his prisoner books a lot of times at some point it's insta lovey and yeah. all of a sudden it's like okay i love you and she really fights it and i really liked that because even as a reader i still felt the same i want to like him but he's still killing people and mm-hmm. it was like i don't know if this if he's redeemable yet for me so i really felt the struggle and one of the times at one point she wrote this slow burn i feel for the horseman is agony raw exquisite agony yeah yeah could you imagine having to ride in front of that every day i would like to imagine it (laughs) on a horse Mm. named trixie skills i did not like that (laughs) he didn't like it either (laughs) he was pissed she did it just to get on his nerves yeah if you were sarah would you be able to love pestilence or would you be too angry at what he was doing no i would be able to love him because he to me in the beginning he didn't know humanity Mm -hmm. yeah i think i'd be able to love him but i think like her i wouldn't be able to stay like yeah when it kept going i think yeah, that the only was way to stay because yeah. she even stop. says towards the end pestilence is the very worst of his nature i glimpse the very best of his but that part of him that future is no more than a whisper of a possibility like smoke dissipating into the wind and i think that's how it would feel when mm-hmm. he's committing mass murder on purpose yeah yeah i don't think i could especially when he's doing it like as revenge for me yeah i'd still love him i think you could still love him but sometimes you have to walk away even if there's love yeah but she does i thought that was really strong of her because i don't know if i'd be able to do that because it's literally like the end of the world <laughs> she's like i'm gonna find my way home on my own how did you feel about the smut i liked it you liked it it, was, it wasn't it was like fine. crazy yeah but, no, i thought it was, it was good. good for i like that it wasn't overpowering to the story no. and it wasn't cringy that at like all that. yeah Mm-mm. Yeah. I think he could have well had more foreplay, but yeah, there wasn't a lot. I think a lot of it was emotional, though. Yeah, so it was cool. I enjoyed the smut. This is one of the first smutty books I read. Oh, it is. I read this after I read Akatar. Okay, but I was just looking for more, and I came across this. I thought like this is a good book to read after Akatar. I, yeah. I would recommend this book to someone who is just starting into the smut world. Yeah, mm-hmm. and who likes fantasy. Yeah, who likes fantasy, mm-hmm. and it's like oh, a little bit of smut. You know, I can't also possibly deconstructing. True, that too. (laughs) Is there anything you would change about the book? Or this is a different question. Would you do anything differently if you were Sarah? I would not. This is a, I don't have a lot of five star reads, but this was a five star read. And for me to be a five star read, I wouldn't change it. I I can't change anything about the story. Like I am 100% happy with everything that happened. Would you do anything different if you were Sarah, the main female character? I think if I was Sarah, I think I would have had more conversations about why I think the killing is wrong. 
Obviously, in the beginning, you are scared to have those conversations because he's physically hurt you already multiple times. I also would have liked to see more of an apology for him. I would have liked to see the moment where it occurred to him how much he hurt her. In the beginning. In the beginning. And like a real apology of being like, I am so sorry that I did that to you. Mm -hmm. One thing, I wouldn't change this, but the reason he saved her and he tells her this later is because he saw the angelic sign for mercy on her tent. But then he is treating her that way. Yeah. Like you're not being very merciful, even though you yeah. scared her from the plague. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. Because even when I read that, I was like, mm. will you read the next part in the series? Oh, I know Hannah has already started it. Yeah. You've done yes. it. And I, I will. Yeah. Yeah. Probably so. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do the whole series. And I liked her writing so much in this. I'm going to read her other books as well. So what vibrator setting would you guys give this book? One, two, or three? It's a it's a one for me, but yeah, I'd just say for a one intensity. Too. Yeah, but I love like it. I liked it. The spice, but I liked it. Yeah, so like I don't. definitely that's Sarah. That was Sarah. Yeah, yeah. He does eat her out one time. Yeah, I think he gets there. He gets there. He's like a little dog. You could train him. Yeah, he's so it's nice. He figures it is. out. Yeah. All right. So next week we will discuss Lord of Population by Elizabeth Stevens. If you loved Laura Thalassa, you'll love this too. Yeah, that is true. This is this book is a little different. I really liked it. Lord of Population. Yeah, I found it recommended on TikTok. I saw a girl and she was like, "If you like alien romance and you want to read a book that keeps you so entertained," and, and I was like, "Sold." Oh, it's <laughs> I'll read it. Yes. And it's a series. Yeah, there's so three books I looked yeah. it up. And I like the covers. Yeah. It's different. It's different. So I think I think we'll like it. <laughs> this is this is Allie. My favorite color is purple. I'm still not being coerced into anything. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rainy Day Smut Brigade. This show is produced by Ashley. <laughs> Allie and Hannah. Once again, you can follow us on Instagram or support us by becoming a member of our Patreon. This will provide you with access to exclusive content. You can email us with any question or book recommendations at the rainy day smut brigade at gmail.com. Don't forget to give us a high rating on your podcast platform and share with your friends. And even in the end of days, we wish you good sex to you. Good sex to you. Good sex to you. Good sex, everybody. Find your horseman and get it on. Get get on the horse. Get on. (laughs) Take a ride. Save a horse, ride a cowboy. Ride a cowboy. (laughs) Save a horse. Ride a horseman. Ride a horseman. (laughs) Later. Tonight